Hey everybody, my name is Pej. We come on every single Tuesday, right around noontime. I always have special guests in the recovery world. We talk about anything and everything that's recovery related or lack thereof. Welcome to Peggy's Recovery Corner. This week, I've got my friend Saturn on. We won't say his full name, but his name hey, is Saturn. <laughs> it's on the screen. They can see it, right? Here, I'm, where, I'm where looking at it? you. You're yeah, looking right over there. there. Somewhere. But I want to welcome. I'm looking at my camera, so that's what I figured. I thought. I guess it's not right in front of you. Anyway, welcome to 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 the corner. Yeah, now you're looking at me. Welcome to the corner, Saturn. Um, First and foremost, I know we want to talk about obviously how vaping saved your life, but that's the topic of the day. But first, I want to learn about Saturn. Who are you? Where were you born and raised, and what it was like first? Well, I'm from Dirt Country, a.k.a. San Bernardino, California. I was born in the hood. Um, Grew up, parents didn't have a lot of money or anything, but we got by. Uh, Love my parents, both two very, very hardworking people. Um, Went to Golden uh, Del Rosa Elementary School, Golden Valley Middle School. Uh, Ended up moving up to Ukaipa. My parents started doing pretty good, so they moved me up to uh, Cala Mesa. So I went to Ukaipa High School, or actually Pacific High School, Ukaipa Junior High School, Ukaipa High School, Redlands East Valley, and Redlands High School, and graduated from Orangewood Continuation School. Okay. Uh, when you say yeah, at, Redlands, I had a 0.25 GPA. Orangewood is like basically the continuation school because something happened in high school and you you needed to transfer to the continuation school. Well, I decided to get into some. Um, Let's start. Call it street pharmaceutical sales. And what kind of? And, and what kind of? What exactly you know, were you? Pharmace- using? Well, I got. I moved out of my parents' house at fifteen. Uh, okay. I call it moved out. They call it. They threw me out. But let's just say moved out sounds a little bit better. Um, okay. And I was running the streets, so ended up getting a job as a pizza delivery driver. Shacked up with some girl and her mom. That went south, mm-hmm. but um knew some people and you know pretty trustworthy guy I could keep my mouth shut so they uh put me to work so i would deliver pizzas and you call up to the pizzeria i worked at for 120 bucks you'd get a pepperoni pizza and an eight ball of cocaine delivered to your house and we were okay, right over so next they, to the university you had a delivery service. so i was doing delivery before delivery was a thing That's um right. and then you you know probably, 80 bucks we, we not without in la <laughs> Yeah. Uh, no, Pink Dot was out in L.A. I think back in like the 80s, man. They've been there ever. They, I don't 90s. even think they're there anymore except for, for Sunset. Like, but um, Right. But no, we do. Uh, we're right next to the college so on the weekends. I deliver Friday, Saturday night. And then next thing you know, I'm 18 years old. I'm driving a fully built custom uh, car. I was at a mini truck club. Uh, I had a Volkswagen GTI, fully shaved down, big stereo system, twin turboed. Audi all-wheel drive transmission conversion. Um, I got popped uh, right after my 18th birthday. I got popped uh, transporting 120 pounds of um, the finest Mexican dirt marijuana from Arizona Schwag. to California. The Schwag. Oh, no. This was like this, – this was just like – it would be called trim now. Like those in the marijuana business, this would be like – like that people wouldn't even want to run distillate with. This was like some rough shit. Yeah, um, the dirt weed. But, 
Yeah, but I had these huge speaker boxes and I could pack 120 pounds in it. And mm-hmm. I get paid what I got paid to move it. And so, you know, do some circumstances and consequences. I had to go do a little time on that. Then um, got some community service and, you know, kind of one of those things where I couldn't really, I didn't really give up anybody, even though the the DEA really tried hard to press to, for me to become a guy. And I just went yeah. in and kept my mouth shut. But due to um, some chains of events and some mishandling of some evidence and some other shit, ended up getting a year, just under a year on it. Plus, uh, it was a five-year sentence deferred. Uh, I had to do one year of weekends where I'd go Friday night, check myself in the jail, and they'd release me on Mondays. And then mm-hmm. I think a thousand hours of community service on top of that. So... And then, you know, ended up really loving cars. So I got in the cardio business. I did that for 17 years, built custom cars, uh, worked on Lamborghinis, Maseratis, Lees. Uh, I was a specialist on Porsches. I uh, went to SEMA, CES, LA Auto Show, Detroit Auto Show. I've had cars that I've built shown all over the world. I uh, got hooked mm-hmm. up with the guys from the Fast and the Furious franchise, worked on cars for the first three movies. So I had a lot of cars that I built in those three movies. Um, okay. And then about 35 years old, I was just burnt out on the car audio industry and the car customization industry. I mean, literally, once you pull a Bugatti apart, a Bugatti Veyron, you pull that thing apart to pieces, customize it, and put it back together, there's nothing else you ever do that's going to be that cool. You know? Um, I bet. And then I just got to the point to where um, during my 20s, I did a lot of drugs and tore some bands and could barely hold the job, but I was really good at what I did, so I... You know, disappear for a couple months with a uh, no-name band on tour and then come back and get hired back at a car stereo shop and, you know, get my life back on track. You know, sometime between 20 and 30, I racked up four DUIs. Um, fourth one, I may or may not have had a Huntington Beach PD officer's ex-girlfriend in my passenger seat. Um, <laughs> then, so, you know, so- um, go ahead. When you say you were doing drugs, okay, so you were... You were slinging drugs before, then you got in trouble. Did you just were you using drugs oh, during I, that I, time? No, I I um I'm an alcoholic through and through. Like I'm a okay. hope to die alcoholic. Um, right. drinking did for me what the drugs can never do. Drinking did for me what life could never do. You know, drinking was my end all be all. Now I did do some cocaine. I didn't really try or mess around with cocaine until like my mid twenties. And it was always like spurts, like three, four months, because the money runs out. Um, 27 was a rough year. Uh, discovered how to cook crack and smoke crack, and that was like an, a real gnarly nine months. Uh-huh. But like the cocaine, I could always stop. You know, I could always clean myself up, get a job, get back on the right track. I can never stop the drinking. And I'm the type of guy where I drink, I want to go do things. I want to go places. I don't want to just sit at home and drink and be responsible and take a cab or an Uber. I want to go places. If there's a party or a band playing, I'm there, you know, and I don't care where it is. It could be Texas. All right, guys, I'll be there. See you in three days. And load a 30-pack of beer up in the car and drive to Texas. Thinking it's perfectly normal. Um, Interesting but that at, you, could quit, you could quit doing cocaine, such a highly addictive drug, but you couldn't quit drinking. So, yeah, I guess alcoholic you are. Yeah, and I have a – my sponsor I worked my steps with, and it's still my sponsor today. Had a real interesting trick. So when you're doing that four-step 
he had me do a little something because there for a long time, I couldn't decide whether I was an addict or an alcoholic or both. Um, he had me start writing down like with my resentments of people, places and things, whether I was under the influence of alcohol or cocaine at the time. And like 99% of them, I was under the influence of alcohol. Mm-hmm. I don't do cocaine unless I'm drunk and there's somebody who wants to do it with me, then I'll go along for the party, which is right. normally cute girl at the bar or what I think is a cute girl at the bar the next day, you find out maybe not as much and they want to party. And I ran through orange County pretty hard and back, you know, 15 years ago, that's all everybody was doing downtown Huntington beach to go down get drunk, do Coke, bang some chick and go home. Um, try not to get an STD. Um, but you know, I always had those moments where I just look at myself and just feel the utter depression and despair of my actions and make mm-hmm. the commitment to clean myself up. But even with alcohol, I stay sober in jail. I went to jail a lot in my 20s. I went to prison one time too. But mm-hmm. I could stay sober when I was incarcerated. But I found out that there's a magical thing that they don't talk about or warn you about. That There is 7-Eleven across the street from every jail I've ever been released from in my life. There is a 7-Eleven across the street and somehow I always got 20 bucks on my books which is enough to get a three-pack of tall cans, a pack of cigarettes, and make a couple phone calls. And right then and there, how quickly I forget the pain of the last spree, and I'm off and running again. So hmm. as long as I have booze, I'm happy. you know. And then at 30, I had a judge that probably knew a little bit more about me than I knew about myself because she had about 20 years in Allen on at the time that I came to find out later and gave me that little <laughs> nice little yellow court card out of West Court. And told me on my fourth DUI if I was going to, I posted bond for the third time and told, and she basically told me that if I was going to stay out on the, on this case and not be incarcerated and fight it from the inside, then I need to go to a a 12 step meeting every day of the week and then come back and see her in two weeks. And for some reason, Alcoholics Anonymous came to mind and I don't know what it was or why it was, but uh, my first my first 24 hours sober and my first newcomer trip was at the, the Wednesday night bunch meeting back when it was down at New Song Church. And that was over 10 years ago. I, I know what it was. So I remember. Yep. Yeah. Good meeting. But um, you know. So how how old were you when you went to that to that first meeting? 30. And then how long did you stay sober? I'm still sober. I only have one sobriety okay, so, oh, How old are you now? 40. How come I always thought that you had stayed, you'd gotten sober before, but you weren't able to, something happened, I thought, and you went out and then you came back. Maybe that was somebody else. No, I moved up to LA for, at three and a half years sober, I was working up in uh-huh. LA, partnered with a guy on a car stereo business. We started a YouTube mm-hmm. channel. We were like one of the first shops to really get into like the, Leveraging social media to market okay. kind of what we did. The channel's called Delray right. Customs. It's got like 13 million views and whatever. Um, mm-hmm. But I moved up LA with uh, Strawberry. Moved in with Strawberry okay, in LA yeah, yeah. when I was like three and a half years sober. And moved right. back down here when I had about seven years sober. So everybody mm-hmm. thinks right. that like I went out and got out loaded and then came back. And I was just like, no, no way. I've been you went up to LA. LA. You've yeah. seen me. I. Yeah, yeah. you've seen me at conferences. I was on so, I was on so Calipaw advisory for seven years for God's sakes. Right, right. 
Right. I think me, Kyle Carter, and Curtis were the only two people that actually fulfilled in that God God rest so Cali Pot's soul. But I think me, <laughs> Curtis, and Kyle were the only people that actually fulfilled our commitment. And we were on year four from Orange County because Orange right. County just does it better. So got a resentment <laughs> off that. Call your sponsor, write about it, work a little 10 step on it. There you go. All right. So now that you've been sober, it's been 10 years. Is that what it is? A little over 10 years. My sobriety date is March 2nd, 2011. Okay. So now I want to get into the vaping aspect. I, I wanted to talk about this. So I, I myself, I'm 14 years sober. I started working in treatment almost immediately uh, doing some volunteering. And then I went to school, become a drug and alcohol counselor. And right around 2012, 2013, I was working in a treatment center and I started seeing these electronic cigarettes. And then, then like businesses started to form both in Orange County and LA and people were actually opening up vape shops and they, it had become a whole different animal. Like people were stopping smoking cigarettes, regular cigarettes. They were going into this, this other world of smoking, it was vapor vapes, right? I mean, so a lot of people did it. I myself was still a smoker during that time. I was like, I ain't about that. I would never smoke that stuff. I don't need that stuff. It's all flavored and shit. Nobody knows anything about it. So I, was, I became highly critical of it. But then I, I, I started to see that a lot of my friends that had stopped smoking regular cigarettes had resorted to vaping. And they said that it helped them immensely to overcome the actual cigarettes because the other cigarettes that were out had so many chemicals and so many things in them that, that vaping may not have. But uh, it's been very controversial. I've, I've talked about it on, on Facebook before. Sometimes I'm of the mindset, where, I mean, uh, not sometimes, I'm of the mindset that if a person wants to come back and get sober and save their life uh, from drugs and alcohol, then uh, you know, at some point I would hope that they aren't doing something else that's still addictive that could actually take their life. Now, uh, I've had people that own both vape shops and also uh, sold, you know, juices and everything like that in, in warehouses that that were my friends get really upset with me because they thought that I was criticizing their field. They said this is their livelihood and um, they, that I should mind my own business. Some of them actually had some very good conversations with me. And, uh, and so I don't want to come off as somebody that is uh, – anti-vaping or anti-movement of vaping. However, I do have strong opinions about the fact that there's so many teenagers right now in high schools that that are that have resorted to vaping and, and they're underage. So either way, it's, I mean, it's not hard for a teenager to get things. You already know that. I already know that. When we were in our teens, we were able to obtain anything we wanted. Oh, I, 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 I was a saint back then. What are you talking about? <laughs> sure. Well, let me, let me jump in real quick. Sure. Okay. The, the thing is, though, is what people don't realize is people never, and even I know a lot of company owners out here, because believe it or not, three of the largest brands in the vape industry, mm. when I joined Aokipa as a service committee, started yeah. were part of that committee when they started their brands back in like yes. 2014, which was crazy. Um, mm. So first of all, let's take, throw you out there, 2012, 2013. What the average youth smoking rate was, according to the National Survey of the, the NYTS survey that they do every year in high school for teenage tobacco use. Mm -hmm. All right. 20.8% of teenagers in high school smoked. 
20.8%. You know what the current numbers of, of what, and this is not teenagers that tried it one time. These are teenagers that have used the product 20 to 30 days in a month of combustible cigarettes, 20.8%, right? You know what it uh -huh. currently is now? It's under 5%. Okay. It's like 4.9 or 5.1. It's right around there, right? So here's what happens. If that number, based on the master settlement agreement back in 2006, which forces big tobacco to reimburse states for... It, the master settlement agreement did a couple things in 2006. One, it prevented individual citizens from suing tobacco companies if they got cancer, right? Two, um, every state took huge tobacco settlements over time, but then ran to Wall Street and bought bonds... Uh, state mm -hmm. tobacco bonds to get the money now to bolster their retirement, their personal retirement and pension accounts, right? But in right. that settlement, there is a threshold where if the smoking rate throughout the country and the youth smoking, and the third thing he did before that was establish that tobacco companies had to fund anti-youth tobacco smoking campaigns. Mm -hmm. So a percentage of their sales from their revenue has to go to organizations like Tobacco Free Kids, uh, the Truth Initiative, stuff like that, which is all funded by Big Tobacco. To and Tobacco said, well, we'll set up these nonprofits that will fund to reach out to kids to prevent them from using our products, which is like, in a business sense, horrible. But now when it comes to battling vaping, it's really good because, you know, the old saying in the tobacco industry is for every smoker that dies, we need two more to start, right? That's how tobacco companies survive. If people start dying and stop using their products, they go out of business, they're publicly traded. Almost every politician holds large shares of tobacco, pharmaceutical, oil, automotive stocks. And all the states are leveraged so heavy into these uh, bonds. Now, what happens on the bonds is the state doesn't hit a certain threshold of sales of actual tobacco products. They could uh -huh. default on their bonds. Now, if a state defaulted on their bonds and defaulted on their employee pension fund, it's mm -hmm. going to be a catastrophic economical collapse at the state level, right? So when we look at vaping and all the misinformation out there, most of that is to protect the tobacco money flowing to the states, flowing to the pension funds, right? Flowing to the politicians. Because if you go and get elected to the California State Assembly and serve one term, you still get a pension. You don't have to be elected and serve 20 years. You serve one, two or four year term, you get a pension. And it's about... It's sizable. I think it's like sixty to eighty thousand a year. Think of everybody in the last who's still alive who has served the state of California on the assembly or the Senate at some point, and even if they don't get reelected, they still get their pension, right? Hmm. So, big business in Wall Street's behind every major industry. You know that's where the, the bread and butter is made in the financial sector. Um, so what happens is now. Companies like Tobacco Free Kids and NTY and um, like the Truth Initiative, tobacco, if the youth smoking rate drops below a certain threshold, mm -hmm. Big Tobacco no longer has to fund that. That's why they bought Juul when Juul took off so big. Well, the next generation, they're a little bit smarter. The average combustible cigarette has 7,206 chemicals, and about 500 of those are known or linked directly to cancer scientifically we know 100 percent mm -hmm. vaping's been around now since right about 2010 really came to the u.s about 2012 2013 still mm -hmm. not one reported case of cancer from vaping 
2016, the Royal Medical College came out with a huge uh, study of five years of research data on vaping. They're getting ready to release another one, um, mm-hmm. which is England's large, longest and oldest um, educational institution. They've been around for 600 plus years. Mm-hmm. They endorse vaping. Europe, England itself has seen over a 40% reduction in total smoking in their country because their government supports vaping. There's actually okay. the, the main hospital in Manchester, UK. I've been there. There is a vape shop inside the hospital that doctors send people who are having problems with smoking down to to mm-hmm. get on to vaping to quit smoking. Um, the American College of Cardiology back in, um, I believe, a couple years ago, about two years ago, they came out and said vaping is 95% less harmful than smoking for cardiovascular health. So the American Heart and the American Lung Association. But what happened was when Juul started to become prevalent in the industry, and mm-hmm. it wasn't big tobacco originally, I actually met the founders of Juul when they came to, uh, I was co-president of the Southern California chapter of Safada, and they came to join Safada. But because of the technology of the closed pod, small battery, low retail price, went against the big juice manufacturers at that time that were supporting Safada. They literally mm-hmm. showed up with a check of 50 grand and wanted to support Safada and be a part of the fight to normalize vaping in the U.S. and also to fund advocacy and advocacy campaigns to help people quit smoking like they were doing in Europe. Right. So, you know, the juice industry at that time turned them away and said, no, we know you're that looks like a big tobacco product. We don't want it. We, we want to sell 120 mil bottles of juices. We don't want to sell a two mil pot. No, well, Jules is the biggest brand in the industry. Bottom line, they're owned by Altria, big tobacco, which, as you're seeing, a lot of the larger vape companies. When you say when you say big big have, tobacco, that's like like the big pharma of the tobacco industry, right? It's basically the super. Well, big tobacco. No, big tobacco is like the five major tobacco companies: Altria, Reynolds. Um, what so, do you call okay. it? Um, Philip. Well, Philip Morris is Altria. Philip Morris. They just. They're just under the umbrella. Um, but like I said, it's Philip Morris International. It's all treated here in the U.S. Um, but even right. most of the tobacco companies came out and said, you know, to protect their profits, we're going to get into this. Now, we're, what they don't realize about vaping is under the PMTA that came out in 2016, most mid-sized to small e-liquid companies can't afford to comply with the PMTA because those were designed for big pharmaceutical or big tobacco companies to get a new product on the market, right? Right. So the FDA is used to dealing with five companies that maybe will put a new product out on the market once every couple of years, right? Mm-hmm. The FDA is not set up to deal with now two, two million PMTA applications. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's been a little interesting and you know depending on who's in office depends on what the process looks like the time frames constantly change there's lawsuits all the time um but you know the people that have been doing this i i got in the vape industry into 2015 going into 2016 um i was a two pack a day smoker when i got in the industry i smoked camel crushes loved those Uh before that it was camel number nines before that it was uh marlboro menthols right now I'm not Newport. the demographic. Well, 
kind of white trash, so kind of like Marlboro Camel. You know, <laughs> we'll just stick with that. But I liked I liked menthol. Now the big misconception is that you know that we're seeing now in the news and media is that menthol cigarettes target the African American community. Right, you've seen that they had a big protest up in LA with the uh, ban that they just passed up in LA County. So all flavor vape products are banned in LA, but they left cigarettes and menthol cigarettes available and hookah products mm-hmm. for religious reasons. Um, right. But if you actually look at the sales data, fifty point two percent of total menthol cigarette sales are to white people, and of that, sixty four percent are women. Hmm. You know, so there's a lot of misconceptions that the they're called the ants people, the anti-tobacco zealots put out there and they're all doctors and, you know, sit on boards and all this other stuff. And it's because they're funded for tobacco research. Right. And they're funded by the tobacco companies. Mm-hmm. Right. So you're not going to. And when you're a university, what's the one thing your goal is to never lose funding. So when they come to you and say, hey, if we're going to give you this funding. Well, we need to say this stuff is bad and it's targeting children. Now, kids are going to experiment. The average, say, person under 18 that vapes. And remember, up till, what was it, three years ago, yeah. the smoking age in California was 18. You mm-hmm. know, they changed it to 21. You know, they're trying to change the drinking age to 25. You know, California is always trying to do crazy stuff, you know. Right. But the thing is, though, is what you do is you're now taking a safe alternative where we see a whole generation that's not getting hooked on traditional tobacco, that's not getting hooked on those 500 chemicals that's going to cause cancer, and also is the most successful gateway to help an adult smoker, especially with the flavors, mm-hmm. quit smoking. Um, I've had a shop down here in Costa Mesa. The shop's been here for seven years. I've been running and owning it for five of my business partners. And we've had over 6,000 people in the area quit smoking and vaping completely. Now, you think about that. That's a bad business model, right? You're right. basically helping a customer quit smoking with your with products you're selling and then encouraging right. them to quit using your products. <laughs> you know? right, right. right. In the hopes that the word of mouth of their success story will spread and they'll refer other people they know are struggling down to quit smoking. Um, mm-hmm. And like the head of cardiology over at Hogue is one of my customers. He's been vaping now for five years. You know, okay. he was a two, three pack a day smoker and he, he's the head of cardiology at a major hospital. Right. Right. And he believes it because it helped him. But a lot of people, especially from the addiction standpoint, they don't realize how cigarettes work. Back in the 1950s, before they started modifying and chemically engineering cigarettes to be stronger and more addictive, people mm-hmm. used to be able to quit whenever when it was just natural tobacco. It wasn't as habit forming. Um, and then. Remember, in the 50s, I still I have a plaque at home that says nine out of 10 doctors recommend camel cigarettes. Right. And doctors were recommending them for stress, for relaxation, whatever. Well, you know, up, up till the 70s and 80s, you walk into any restaurant, bar, bus stop, air, airplanes to smoke on all that stuff. Heck, professional hockey players are sitting there at the rink at, you know, smoking a grit in between shifts. You know what I mean? Right, right. You know, the right. coach was on the bench with a cigar just puffing away. Um, mm-hmm. But what happens, tobacco realized that natural tobacco was not addictive enough to hook a user. So they started chemically engineering the cigarettes. So the cigarettes went from having five to 600 ingredients all the mm-hmm. way now to 7,000 because they have to have the 
special paper and the special filters and the chemical treatment this and the chemical make treatment it more that. addictive yeah oh yeah um and actually it's the nicotine that's not harmful in the cigarette mm-hmm. it's the tar and the carcinogens from the act of physically burning the substance right and some mm-hmm. of those chemicals when they are turned for into a gaseous form mm-hmm. in vaping we have you know about 120 to 140 compounds that are vaporized and it's not actually burning there is one thing that vape does not have which is carcinogens right mm-hmm. because you're not heating the liquid up to the point of burning you're heating it to the point of vaporizing our key ingredients in an e-liquid is the same key ingredients as a, a butyrol inhaler butyrol mm-hmm. inhaler if you look up their chemical base the main ingredients in e-liquid is vegetable glycerin and, and uh, propylene glycol the main ingredients in a butyrol inhaler is Glycerin and glycol, you know, and those are recommended for people with asthma. I I have one, you know. Um, Did you have so, asthma? Um, I got COVID in March of last year, and mm-hmm. since COVID, my lungs just have not been the same. So they put me on some inhalers to help me out. Mm-hmm. But um, now they're going back and saying that when we were dealing with Evola. Evoli right before COVID, the electric uh, cigarette lung mystery lung illness that they blamed on vaping. All mm-hmm. the symptoms of that match perfectly to COVID. And now the CDC is back to a little bit ago. Well, maybe those were early COVID cases and maybe it really wasn't the vaping. But that doesn't make mainstream mm-hmm. media. That's not newsworthy. They put a release out on their website. That's mm-hmm. three paragraphs. Nobody picks it up and runs with the news because our news doesn't actually report the news their entertainment now they report things that are getting them ratings Mm -hmm. and you know you start looking at the scientific data and it's like well that was those people were dying and we're trying to blame vitamin e acetate and thc and vape pens which there's no vitamin e acetate in a water-based vitamin e acetate is an oil-based e-liquid is water-based you can't mix water and oil it clearly separates in the bottle so So are you saying that just are you saying that, that it's impossible for THC to be in vape pens? No, there are THC cartridges, right? Mm-hmm. And we manufacture CBD, and we're uh, one of the companies I'm a part of. We're legally licensed to manufacture marijuana products. Mm-hmm. It's completely different. The labs aren't, you can't have an e liquid lab, which is regulated by the FDA, inside mm-hmm. a THC lab, which is regulated by the state of California. You have different licensing. You have different zoning. You have different mm-hmm. boards. Like uh, for vape, we deal with California Department of Tax and Fees. For cannabis, yeah. you deal with the BMMR. There's two. It's two separate industries, right? Mm-hmm. So, in California, if you're buying legal cannabis, you're buying it in a dispensary, which is literally scanning your ID into a state database to verify you're of age, yes. and they're tracking your purchases with that too. Like on their back end, they know exactly what you buy, right? Yeah. Now, on the black market, like anything. That's what I was going to say. What about on the dark world? On the black market, you know, nobody can control that because the people that run that, they don't care about laws. It's gun control, right? We're going to do gun control because it's going to take the guns away from all the criminals and everybody's going to be safer. See, they're criminals. They already don't care. They already can't legally buy a gun, yet they, they still have. So how is gun control get all anything that hurts? And like with a lot of regulation, 
it hurts the law abiding citizens because the people that want to break the law are still going to break the law regardless. They're going to be outlaws. You know, it only hurts people trying to abide by the rules. Um, but no, THC products are oil based, where e liquid products are water based. So you can't take THC, which is an oil based extracted soluble, and mix it into a water based soluble because it's not going to bond. It's also not going to vape. You know how many people have walked in my shop with a messed up vape because they tried to squeeze THC syringe and hit it, and it doesn't burn hot enough, it doesn't fully vaporize it, it clogs it, it leaks, it's a freaking mess, and they destroy their hardware, right? So for mm -hmm. THC, there's specified hardware for THC, right? right. There's specified hardware for vape. There is a little bit of crossover, but they're using C-cell coils, which is ceramic coils for most THC products, and the little cheap vape pens, you know, little skinny pens, which is stuff that our industry hasn't used since like 2012 or 13, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, most of the vape industry is on subohming now, and it's really hard to subohm THC. Okay. So, so this is what I want to ask you a couple of things real quick. You mentioned <clears throat> that there hasn't yet been one case of cancer that, that's been reported as a result of vaping. However, it is a very young movement. I mean, it's only been, what, seven, eight years that people are, it's been popularized and people are actually vaping. And, and so this is what I believe. Because, of, because I had asthma growing up and because I smoked anything and everything I could from drugs to cigarettes to um, cloves to anything, right? I always had issues with my lungs. Whenever I would get sick, I felt like I was going to, like, perhaps one day I will have emphysema or heart disease or something if I keep doing this. I even knew into my sobriety when I first got sober, I'd go to meetings and, and I, as much as I, I would attempt to quit smoking regular cigarettes many, many, many times. It was a love-hate relationship. I could go for five, six months of not smoking, then be around somebody that did some, that, that was smoking, and I'd take a drag off their cigarette and say, thanks a lot. That's not my brand. Next thing you know, I'm back. back. The, the, the addictive thinking would just kick in. I got to go get my brand. There's only 20 in one pack. I'm only going to smoke these 20. Once I get down to 19, I'd be like, okay, I'm not going to do this anymore. Okay. Oh, actually, oh, oh, I got to do hold more. On a okay. Hold on a second. But where was your yeah. spiritual, where, where was your, where was your, what void were you trying to fill spiritually at the time? Where were you at sure. in your steps? Were you working with others? Or were you restless, irritable, discomfortable, in fear? You know, were you doing a nightly 10th step at that time? Sure, I was, but obviously there was some discomfort and there was something about cigarettes that made me all, I was captivated by it. I loved it. I would keep going back to it. I, and it was, a, you know, I'm not going to say I walked a, uh, uh, walked on water in my recovery, in my whole recovery process. I had a lot of stress. Mm -hmm. I thought that the cigarettes were the stress killers but in reality, they were they were actually creating more stress for me. The instigators. That's at least, yeah, the yeah. instigator. So finally, uh, I got to a point where I thought if I keep smoking cigarettes, I'm probably either going to have a heart attack eventually because I'm getting a little bit older or I'm going to get emphysema or some, some kind of heart disease or something like that. So I read that book by Alan Carr, Easy Way to Stop Smoking, right? I read about his story and the fact that the guy smoked five packs a day five motherfucking packs a day. I'm talking like, that would be like a cigarette. Like you already got a cigarette in your hand and you got another one lit ready to go for when this one's about to go out. So 
Anyway, so the guy quit, right? And I got two chapters in and I was like, I get what's going on here. I'm done. I'm not going to smoke anymore. I don't, I, don't, I don't need to go to Nicotine Anonymous like I did before and call myself Smober and all that stuff. Like I, I know that I, I don't want to smoke anymore. I smoked my last cigarette and that was it. That was in 2015, uh, February 15th, 2015. So I've been nicotine-free, cigarette-free since then. Now, in seeing people getting into this vaping movement, I often thought to myself, even though it does seem like a softer way, like it's it's easier on the lungs or it's safer than than usual, at the end of the day, it is still something that's going into your lungs and into the tissues. And I don't know that um, the cancer can't come about out of it just because nobody's reported it or it hasn't been uh, officialized yet doesn't mean that cancer can't happen. And I'm not saying that. Uh, I mean, if it, if there's not been one report yet, wonderful. And it is a, a greater alternative, definitely. You also talked about people that come to your shop that uh, stopped smoking regular cigarettes and then uh, went on to vaping and quit vaping. I know that some of my friends that are older and even some that are younger that, that have quit smoking regular cigarettes and resorted to vaping often have the mindset that I want to quit this too. And they do. Some do. Some tell me like that. It's... I hear him sharing meetings. Haven't had a cigarette in six years. Quit vaping 90 days ago. It was really hard at first, but now I'm doing really well with it. So I think like that's another, a whole other thing. Why do people, uh, when they do want to quit regular cigarettes and then go into vaping, what happens that, that they want to get off of vaping completely? What What is it? Do they see negatives well, about it or the cons or what? Well, no. Like my whole premise from the shop standpoint has always been, Hey, we're going to get you off the cigarettes and then we're going to help you get off the vape because I actually have a 16 week program for people that are seriously wanting to quit with vape to take them from depending on how much they're smoking to a zero milligram e-liquid in 16 weeks if they want to do that. Now, there are positive net benefits to nicotine, right? The problem with the master settlement agreement was that the big tobacco companies to sign it negotiated with the federal government to say you can't say smoking causes cancer. That would put us out of business. Let's right. settle for nicotine causes cancer. And there's no direct correlation between nicotine and cancer in the scientific community. Right? That's propaganda. But actual, and England's proved it, Canada's proved it, China's proved it, almost the whole European Union has proved that there is no cancer linked to actual nicotine. Nicotine mm -hmm. has a chemical compound. You know what its sister compound is? What's that? Sugar. Almost the exact molecular structure affects you exactly the same way, but there's some difference with nicotine. One, nicotine is being used. Pure nicotine is used in treatments of Alzheimer's and Tourette's. Bet you didn't know that. No, I didn't. Number one but therapy I learned today. for Alzheimer's and Number one therapy for Alzheimer's and Tourette's is nicotine. Uh, okay. It's also used in sleep apnea. Also used in a, um, as a, it's a mental enhancer because it is a slight stimulant, right? Mm -hmm. So people that are really have problems like organizing their thoughts and stuff like that, it actually gives them a little bit of ease and comfort, right? That's just straight nicotine, right? But nobody looks at that because they don't go on to, and also it's great as an antidepressant. But people don't look at that 
because when you go on regular Google and Google benefits and nicotine, you have 19 ads that pop up of all the negative effects of nicotine and it causes cancer. But when you go on Google Scholar and start doing some research, I actually have a research drive with over 200 different pages written by scientists, professors, and doctors on mm. nicotine therapy, NTR, is what called in the medical field, mm. right? The problem is they have no problem prescribing you patches or gum, which is NTR therapy, which still has some chemicals that bond those ingredients to the patch that may be linked to cancer that are now coming out. But still with vaping, mm -hmm. we don't have that. But the problem is the way the lawsuits in the government in this country works. You sue, you negotiate, they say, okay, we're going to, fine, give us the money, and we'll say nicotine causes cancer. You go to any mm -hmm. other country in the world, what does it say on their cigarettes? Big smoking causes cancer not nicotine right that's what the cigarette companies did in this country to basically corner and monopolize the market to keep smaller manufacturers with a safer alternative out for many many years Vaping was around in 2007 2008 overseas and in europe and in in the asian market right mm -hmm. it took a while to come here you know because everybody was convinced that nicotine it's the same cancer causing stuff as cigarettes it's just electronic right and that's not right. true because the compounds are completely different right and that's why back in the 30s 40s and 50s you didn't see the rise in the cancer rate till they started engineering the cigarettes in the mid 50s right and started patenting right. all these chemicals they were putting into the cigarettes right <laughs> so um and Native Americans have been using tobacco for medicinal and religious purposes since well before us white people were here. Let's just be honest about that. They kind of may have taught us a couple things or two, right? Um, but you didn't see out of the natural tobacco the the cancers, the Fs, the stuff like that within the Native American population before we brought all those diseases with us when we decided to colonize the U.S., right? And people have been using natural tobacco since it's been on Earth. You, know, you even go back yeah. to the Egyptian days, the Babylonian days, the medieval period. It's all throughout history, but it was never linked to disease, right? Natural tobacco. Um, but the, the operations to hook the user to be a lifetime customer had to chemically right. and engineer it to do that, right? So, and that's the big misconception. Now, if we didn't have the master settlement agreement in this country and we could say smoking kills people like in every other country in the world, mm -hmm. and then you could go research nicotine and, and, you know, that low doses of nicotine actually are good to help with anxiety, brain activity, and a bunch of other stuff. And nicotine, so another question you asked, which I'll segue into. So when you're smoking... The first 45 to 50 days, you're detoxing all those chemicals, just like when you're detoxing drugs and alcohol, right? There is a right. detox half-life cycle of all those chemicals in the cigarette. Even without vaping, if you try to quit cold turkey smoking, and the people that have done it can attest to it, you start coughing black stuff, tar out of your lungs, right? That's right. Yep. It's about 45 days to and – no, and cold turkey – to quit smoking cold turkey is the most unsafest way. Because you aren't stepping those chemical levels down slowly all the time, kind of like what you have to do in detox to like, you know, yes. heroin addicts and, you know, especially people that are all. Yeah. And especially people that have ever tapered off like an antidepressant, right? You just can't stop right. taking Lexapro. You have to have right. a cycle to taper your body off so you don't throw your body into mm -hmm. an adverse reaction. 
Same yeah. thing with smoking. So what we recommend new people that are coming in, no matter how much they smoke, we always tell them, hey, don't try to quit the smoking cold turkey because you got about a 45 to 50 day detox window to get all these yes. chemicals that big out of Powder your body. Beer. Right. You know? So why don't you use even the vaping guy, in even, between smoking? Uh-huh. Even that guy, Alan Carr, says in between. Book, he says, when you're reading this Go book, ahead. you don't I don't recommend that you smoke that you quit smoking. You could smoke all the way till the end of the book. Yeah. So I, I get what you're saying. Now, do you know he now has a book called Easy Way to Stop Vaping? Of course he does. But uh, I wanted to ask you, does does Saturn ever when I, I understand when you now I get it. Like when you say that this saved your life, vaping saved your life. Obviously, if you're smoking two packs a day before of cigarettes, you're not now it's it's a much safer alternative. Oh. Do, do do you ever have thoughts of I'm going to end up quitting vaping eventually? Like, does this? I mean, you're 40 years old now, right? Does it even matter with age, or do you think it doesn't matter? No, it doesn't. So this is my experience, and I invite everybody to have their own, and everybody's going to have their own opinion. And this is just my experience, right? I was 35 years old. I started dating a girl, and she refused to have sex with me unless I tried to quit smoking. Because she didn't want a guy who was smoking sleeping in her bed. Now, right. let's just say guys will do just about anything for a woman, you know, especially when we haven't had sex with them yet and we really, 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 really want to. So let's just be completely honest. But at that time, I was 295 pounds. I couldn't walk up a flight of stairs. I was smoking two packs a day. I smelled like an ashtray. Everything I owned smelled like smoke, right? And even at that time, I saw nothing wrong with it. Except every time I'd go to the doctors and have lab tests. And I've been with Kaiser for 20 years. So they have right. all my medical records and labs for 20 years, right? Mm-hmm. I was still, I was freshly sober. And I think my smoking increased when I got sober because mm-hmm. of that irritable restlessness. And I've seen a lot of people that have never smoked get in the treatment, get sober. Next thing you know, they're smoking a pack a day and they never smoked before. Yeah, there's smokers yeah. out of all of them. So when you're 290 pounds and you, you can't walk up a flight of stairs without getting winded, I couldn't go to the gym and work out because I get on the treadmill for two minutes and my chest would feel like it was burning on fire, right? Right. And I go out. I'd be at the gym trying to work out and lose weight, walking on the treadmill, stop 15, 20 minutes into a walk, walk outside, smoke a cigarette, walk back in and hop on the treadmill. You know, that's – I couldn't, you know. So – and I didn't realize that it wasn't the nicotine. It was all those other chemicals that have a really quick half-life cycle that make that, you know, it hits your brain. You're like, I need more. I need more. You know, I don't feel right. Yeah. Like it's been, I mean, I remember being at work, talking to a customer and looking at the clock going, would you please in my head, would you please shut up? Because I need a cigarette. It's been 15, 20, 35 minutes, right? I'm chemically right. detoxing here. I need to go outside and get right. That was mm-hmm. the mindset, even in recovery. Right. Um, but now I play ice hockey, which, which is a very demanding sport, right? Hockey right. players have to have really good cardio. I play ice hockey three to five times a week. Mm-hmm. I have the lung function of a non-smoker. And I still vape. And I vape a decent amount. We'll just leave it at that. But because of my lung function test they were doing, because I thought I had asthma, I thought I had cart cardio issues. I thought I maybe had COPD. Why can't I walk up a flight of stairs at 32 years old and I'm out of breath, right? 
So the doctor right. started doing all those breathing tests. And I have that data from back then. Today, I have, when they do all my labs and stress tests and stuff like that, I just had them done, you know, when Kaiser started taking patients again, because every year I go get a good checkup. Yeah. I have all the biomarkers of somebody who has never smoked. And I've been off cigarettes for five years, almost six years now with vaping. Right. Mm -hmm. So my overall health, my stress test, my lung functionability and stuff is all of that as a non-smoker within the usual range of a person my age. You know, before COVID happened, I ended up getting my body weight down from 290 to right around 215, 220 because I could work out. I could swim in the pool. I could play hockey. You know, I could actually go out and live life without needing to be tied to a liquor store, a pack of cigarettes, you know, know, whatever. So if you look at my overall health, I have the health of somebody who's never smoked. Now, I'll be honest, because you're a former smoker and I'm a former smoker. We still have all those inherent risks of cancers from our smoking days, whether you choose to go to vaping or you choose to quit smoking altogether. From the you past, still have from the a, past. Yeah. You still have a negative health benefit from that time in your life, right? Sure. Yep. But the, the research that has come out of Europe says those increased percentages of that stuff happening after about 10 to 12 years of being to, uh, combustible tobacco free almost mm. disappears to somebody who never used it right now the majority of my customers that come in here even the ones that have completely quit normally a major life event happens and they find themselves at the liquor store buying a pack of cigarettes because they don't know what to do death in the family bad breakup you know, loss of job, major life events, because they run back to what they know it works, just like an addict or alcoholic. You're not working right. a program, you're not spiritually fit, shit goes south in life, next thing you know, you're running back, you're, you're running to the substance that takes the big hurt away, right? Mm-hmm. Th- saying, I'm only going to do it one time. I'm only going to do it tonight. I'm just going to do a little. But with right. smoking, there's no option on strength. You know, I want to smoke a cigarette, but I want a three milligram, not it. Most average cigarettes are about 20 milligrams, right? Right. Most, the most commonly sold vape products are three to six milligram and based, but those are for a higher volume of delivery. And then mm-hmm. most of the nicotine salt products are, I'm seeing trends in the store to where we used to sell a ton of 50 milligram products, but turning mm-hmm. now down towards 12 milligram because people are, they realize they don't need that much nicotine, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, the worst thing you can ever do is take a person who s- smokes occasionally and go, hey, try this. This is a uh, 5% disposable, you know, should help you out when you just literally by giving them a 5%, which is 50 milligram, you just quadruple their nicotine intake, right? Mm-hmm. Which is irresponsible from a lot. Now, not every shop owner or every vape shop is as educated as I am on the substance, the topic, the science behind it. You know, I've spoke mm-hmm. on the at the elliptical out in Washington, D.C. in front of the White House. And I've been, you know, going out to Washington once a year to lobby politicians based on the science of vaping with UVA. Right. Yeah. Trying to, to say that, you know, look, we have a whole generation of youth that are never trying cigarettes now. Right. Mm-hmm. They're never being exposed to the chemicals and stuff. So, yeah. Are, are we talking about maybe a devil's advocacy of trade off? Right. Would you rather still 20 to 25% of high school, you know, high schoolers smoking 
not depending on what grade they're in, just in general smoking? Or do you want 5% yeah. of them that are probably the ones who have p- two parents that smoke at home, it's perfectly accepted in the family, they've watched it all their life, and it's what they know, and they might be getting them from their parents. I don't know, you know? But any shop that's doing ethical business, and mm-hmm. like I said, I was young once. It was a long time ago. You know, dinosaurs and Jesus and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But we knew we knew the dirty convenience store that would sell us beer on Friday night for a short period of time. Yeah. They wouldn't check our IDs. We always knew dirty the dirty CD smoke shop that you could walk into and the guy wouldn't check your ID and sell you a pack of cigarettes. You know? Right. And the kids these days have it harder than we did. We used to be able to go in and say it was for, or, hey, my dad's, hey, hey, Bill, my dad sent me down to grab him two packs of cigarettes. Okay, let me call him real quick. Hey, did you send your son down here to buy you cigarettes? Yeah, I sent him down there. All right, cool. You know, but that's how it was in the seventies and eighties. Ended it started go, go, and then in the nineties they started really cracking down on the the ID, right? Really started finding people heavily for ID. You know, yes. So we grew up during a different culture where literally you could go to the liquor store and pick up liquor for your parents if you had a note, and they knew right. your parents. You know. Nowadays, yeah. try that stuff, and they call the cops on you. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, but um, true. you know, but the the thing is though is if our government and our public health system, which is ran by corporations, and mm-hmm. people don't realize, do you know? In your opinion, do you know if the when I say CDC, do you think of a government corporation or a private corporation? Just well, now C- I've CDC. learned. What do you think? After pandemic, it seems more like a private corporation. They are 100% a private corporation that takes government funding to push right. a government narrative, right? Yes. We learned that during COVID because everybody started researching Dr. Fauci and the CDC. How does mm-hmm. Dr. Fauci make so much? Why can't the president fire Dr. Fauci as right. the head of the CDC? Because he works for a private corporation, mm-hmm. right? That's funded by big pharmaceutical and big tobacco companies, right? So we have a lot of misinformation in our country that's blasted through the media because what's going to make headline news, somebody dying from a THC pin. Like the biggest thing during that whole volley thing was apparently at Ford hospital up in Michigan, how they did a double lung transplant. Mm-hmm. They were out on the news saying we had a guy come in with a volley. It was so bad. We, he was 17 years old and we had to do a double lung transplant. I've talked to cardiologists. You know the success rate of a double lung transplant? No success. Let me remove your lungs for you, from your body for two hours and then try to stitch yeah. them back and let's see how well you do. Yeah. Zero. It's never been done. Medically, it's never been done, but they are up on the news saying they did a double lung. Now, they can do a lower loaf transplant like they do with some people that have emphysema. If they have a donor lung, that's all the right matches and stuff, but you can't do a right. double doesn't exist but that hospital was the hospital that the cdc does research at those -hmm. doctors up there were spokespeople for the cdc to push the narrative Mm -hmm. you know there was we did the research and completely debunked that but it made headline news and the problem is when the news gets something wrong i remember when i was a kid you'd watch the news tom brokoff would make a mistake and Mm -hmm. misspeak on something or give out bad information on 60 minutes or whatever he was on and you go tune in the next night. And at the end of the news, they'd have corrections and retractions. Well, we just want to inform you that the story we covered last Wednesday, we got some of the information wrong and here's the accurate information on that. And we apologize for misleading the public and they would take responsibility for it. These days, 
we're on to the next yeah. news cycle. What the hell did this politician say today? Or how how yeah. do we better divide the country today? Let's let's work on that. But it, it's now when a story and a major story that's critical to in, to industries come out, they don't go back when they get it wrong and tell people the truth. Hey, we mm-hmm. got this wrong. It had nothing to do with THC. It had right. to do with early stage COVID coming to the country because there was cases throughout the world that are matching up to these symptoms. And now you look at the COVID and all the side effects and the symptoms of COVID match perfectly to what that was. And that was in November. And we were under mm-hmm. lockdowns in California in January for COVID because people were dying left and right. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's when we learned of the Wuhan outbreak, even though Dr. Fauci learned about the Wuhan outbreak in September. Right. Right. And then it take it to the white house till January into February. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I, I'm not a big political guy, but even when, you know, the president at the time tried to lock the whole entire country down in January to prevent the spread, we had all the politicians up there. No, come hang out in Chinatown. It's perfectly safe. It's, you know, and, you know, that may have been a right move that could have saved hundreds of thousands of lives. We don't know. You know, we don't ha- we don't have a time machine yet. And if they do, they're not sharing it with us. And that's really messed up because there's a lot of stuff in my 20s I need to go fix. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'm from being in lobbying, from working with organizations that actually go to Washington, sit down with politicians, lobby mm-hmm. and try to fight for basically consumer rights. After you start dealing with politicians for a while, you realize that they don't know anything. They know mm-hmm. donations. They know where the money's coming from. They know which right. lobbyists are putting monies into their organizations, their nonprofits, their wife's charities, buying you know, $10,000 tickets, donating $20,000 raffle prizes, right? Mm-hmm. So they can live that lifestyle on a civil servant salary, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and when you start looking at that from my perspective, and I, and my perspective is different than everybody's, or all our perspectives are the same, you just realize mm-hmm. that it doesn't have to do with what's good for humanity. It has to do with what's good for their pocket, right? Mm-hmm. And vaping, because we don't have the funding collectively in the industry to go up against big tobacco head-to-head to buy the lobbying firms, to pay for the vote, to get the politicians on the payroll to swing things our way, we try to rely on the science, right? But yet we see Canada with the uh, declining tobacco sales every year since 2015. We see all over Europe, every country with yearly declining tobacco sales. We're the only country with um, that is still, even though our sales are down two to three percent a year, our population grows four to four to seven percent per year. Right? You have a flux in population; people live longer. So, as population rises, you can lose one to two percent in sales, but when the when there's a larger customer base to sell to, it doesn't affect their bottom line. You can look at their stock. You want to know how well mm-hmm. the tobacco companies are doing? There, some of them are hitting some pretty good numbers right now. And if you look at the five, ten years, they're still up over where their business was five and ten years ago, right? Steadily increasing, right? Which means their customer base of people were quitting smoking two to five percent a year. Their profits shouldn't be increasing. Got you. You know, but well, that's why you got to follow the money. 
Okay. I just hope I've been educational. I'm, I'm, I'm no, trying I, to like I, just I, give some good information. No, I appreciate you coming out today to talk about this stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I hope that uh, people that are watching this or end up watching this can can definitely take away from it what they what they understood from you and what where I was trying to go with it too. And I, I appreciate you coming out today to the corner. Uh, I hope that we see you. I know I'll see you in passing again soon. But uh, thank you very much for being on the show. You know what? I I don't expect everybody to agree with me because I respect people's opinion, right? If vaping's yeah. not for you, it's not for you, and that's okay, right? Mm-hmm. For about 13 million Americans, that's how they quit smoking, right? You know, and I'm, and you know, the only thing I'm here to do is just help people out. You know, if people want more information, they're welcome to stop by C3 Vapors in Costa Mesa. I'm here almost every day. I'd be more than happy to sit and talk to them one one. Um, that there's a chat. I haven't checked Facebook because we're in the. There is a chat. Yeah, the, some, uh, there's a couple of little comments here. What? What's? Do you mind if anyone ever calls you? Oh no, uh, we're always at the shop. Um, what's the name of the shop? Say it slower. C three Vapors and Coffee Shop in Costa Mesa, the only place where you can get a vape and the best cup of coffee in all of Orange County. Okay, great. Oh, by the way, Tuesday and Thursday nights at uh, seven thirty, we have. Uh, 12 step meetings in the back room. Okay. Looking for an in person meeting. Come on by. What time are those at? Uh, Tuesday night, Tuesday nights at eight o'clock. That's tonight. And okay. Thursday nights at seven 30. And it's good. Okay. A good mix of people, young people. A lot of, if you're, you know, looking to be of service, we do have a, we finally got some treatment centers that have come back to support the meetings to take their clients to outside meetings. And with COVID and stuff like that, um, we tell people how to run their meeting. You want to wear a mask, wear a mask. You don't want to wear a mask, don't wear a mask. You know, it's up to you, but we can hold 40, 50 people back there. And because okay. I have the extra space, I'm always willing to let people that want to go back in person or we have good internet here so people can still do hybrid. You know, we're we're always looking to give back to the community any way we can, you know? And I firmly believe if it wasn't for recovery, Mm-hmm. I would probably still be smoking because part of my recovery has always been throughout the last 10 years trying to better my health to try to take away some of the damage we did during years of Those using right? prior years. Yeah. Yep. You know, awesome. But like I said, I, I mean, I respect the fact and I I saw some of your comments about vaping on Facebook a while back, but because I respect yeah. that you have your opinion based on your experience, right? Mm-hmm. I was never going to hop on there and start ripping on it because that's not my place. You know, right. that's how people that don't agree on a lot of things can be friends because I respect your opinion being my friend. I respect right. your insight because you're my friend. And as long as that's reciprocated, it, Absolutely. it's all good in the hood. That's why I wanted to bring so, you on because I, re- I respect you as a friend too. Thank you. Have a lovely rest hey, of your no day. No problem, man. Saturn, and I'll see you soon. Uh, you know, I'm around if anybody needs me. Literally, I'm around. It's it's my favorite shape. All right, guys. (laughs) All right. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye.
Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.